Expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Welcome to this live broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio. On this Wednesday night, it is June the 12th, 2019. We are so glad that you could join us tonight. Uh, we have a very special guest, a brother putting in a lot of work. And tonight on New Abolitionist Radio, we are joined by the co-founder and CEO of Incarcerated Nation, Mr. Five Mualim Ak. And tonight we will be discussing issues, as always, related to prison slavery and felony disenfranchisement in the United States. Five is a 2016 Columbia University Justice and Education Scholar born in Ethiopia. He served 12 years incarcerated with several of those years in solitary confinement. Since his return to society, he has worked against state-sanctioned torture. He is a member of OPCAT, the UN Optical Protocol on Torture, and is a member of the Anti-Torture Initiative, both founded at the United Nations. Of course, he is a human rights defender with the ACLU and a human rights ambassador for TRUA, a rabbinical call for justice with Human Rights Watch. Five has co-founded many projects and organizations that serve those directly impacted by incarceration, as we also call it modern-day slavery. After running several years of founding youth development programs, Five Now trains young credible messengers at the New Schools Institute for Transformative Mentoring Center for New York City Affairs and is the Director of Youth and Family Development at Exodus Transitional Community Service. His work to end solitary confinement has reached national impact. In January of 2016, the 44th president, Barack Obama, answered his petition with Fusion Media to bring an end to children in solitary confinement within the federal system. Currently, Five is working to produce films, TV segments, and educational events that reveal the conditions of confinement and the collateral consequences of mass incarceration for millions of people. Of course, New Abolitionist Radio is hosted 
by former prisoner Tyson Tyson McCullum, activist mother Khadijah. Uh, both of those are not with us uh, right now. They may join us later as they have some other commitments. Um, but also former prisoner and Grammy-nominated music artist Maxwell Melvins of the Lifers Group. And Maxwell is on the line. And of course, my name is Scotty Reed. I'm the founder of Black Talk Radio Network. So let me go ahead and open up um, our conference line so that we can bring on our guests. And uh, Max, uh, Max, you there? Yes, sir. I'm here, my brother. I'm here. I'm here. Hey, greetings to you, Max. And I hope all yeah. is well with you. Um, thank yeah. you for setting up this interview with this this brother who I want to bring, bring in. Greetings to you yeah. as well, sir. Absolutely, bro. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, I mean, it's a brother that couldn't be forgotten. It was very important to get on to let him personally explain what he's doing and the brother's done so much work in the community. I mean, he puts in that work that's really changing lives out there, brother. And, you know, I think we're being injustice not to have him on here, anybody on here. Let, work this brother puts in and continues. So we're going to bring on him. Go ahead, brother. Let me give out the telephone number in case um, any of our audience has a question or a comment. That number is 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. If you would like to join the conversation, hit the star key twice. That will let me know that you want to join. And please always watch your background noise. Um, so without further delay, uh, welcome to New Abolitionist Radio, Mr. Five, Moulin Ock. Thank you, comrade. Thank you very much. And thank you, brothers, for having this platform um, because it is necessary for the world to understand that there are those who are fighting for abolition. So I thank you both, and I thank you all for creating this program. But I felt it was something, much like people who get involved in this type of work dealing uh, with what they call mass incarceration, what I prefer to call modern-day slavery, as set forth by the 13th Amendment. I just felt compelled. You know, I read the 13th Amendment, which, you know, I like to ask our guests, first-time guests, a question, so that, that kind of leads me right into that. So I came across the 13th Amendment. The 13th Amendment says, Involuntary servitude and slavery shall be abolished except as a punishment for crime whereof the party has been convicted. Now, I didn't read that till about 2013. All my years of schooling, never once did a teacher or a college professor ever bring up the 13th Amendment. Let me look at it and and, and share that with the students. Now, it, I was in my in my 40s before I found out about the 13th Amendment. So I interpreted the 13th Amendment's exception clause as to not actually abolish slavery, but create a new form of slavery under different parameters. Um, and, you know, many other people in the movement call it prison slavery. So I felt there was a need for a new abolitionist movement, you know, standing on the foundation laying by prior abolitionists prior to 1865. Um, five, would you agree with my assessment that slavery isn't abolished in the United States but exists under a new form? Of course, sir. I wouldn't even say it's a new form. I would say it's an evolutionized form, right? Like something that has progressed over the years. And when you look at history, um, you have to understand that it is a snapshot of slavery growing, right? Um, I did a report with the Brennan Center years ago called uh, 
New Jim Crow in New York with Professor Ogletree. Um, and the reason why this report was sort of unique and big and outstanding was it showed the felony disenfranchising and the concept of felony, the concept of criminal. All that was created in New York State in this sort of region. This region was the welcoming gate for everyone coming into America, right? The first prison system was developed in New York State, even though everyone says the Quakers created a system in Philadelphia that was a penitentiary system. But the state-funded system, Auburn, all these sort of correctional facilities that held prisoners from the north um, and prisoners from the south to torture them in the north, was all on the back of the heels of slavery. Uh, waterboarding, the electric chair, all these sort of torture techniques were developed in Auburn, literally creating an economy system as the states grew. So in New York State, we have 62 counties. Every county is named after the prison it was in because the prison was built there first and, of course, as a sense of income. So it was like, take this system along with you as you grow America. Yes, everyone knows Ellis Allen was here. A lot of people didn't know at the other end of New York, it was Rikers Allen, right? Cycling people into the system of slavery. When you think about black codes and the system of how slavery ended out, that's how we have the laws that we have now. When people think about the myth of black people and chicken, that was actually a law because chickens was a commodity at one time. So if he was black, he wasn't able to have it. There was laws about walking in the right side of the street if you couldn't look a white person in the eyes. And all of this became quality of life laws and things that we exist right now. So you're spot on, comrade. And I'm sorry about elaborating so much. I think that people don't understand there is no human right. And so with that platform, uh, slavery exists to take on the need of financial burdens for all of these sort of indented servants that were just around as well as black people. So when slavery ended, we had a lot of white people that needed to create an income too. And of course, the slave catcher position turning to law enforcement. Right. So that first badge, when a kid sees that badge, he doesn't even understand why he's mad but he has generational, 400 years of generational trauma in his genes. And he automatically says, something about that makes me nervous because these people have been catching your people for centuries. And so, yes, we've created a legitimized system where the commodity is now human body. There's no need to apologize for elaborating because that's why we want you on, on here, sir, to elaborate and in your own words, you know, explain exactly what is going on, uh, what some of the solutions that you may have in mind. And so no need to apologize. We want you to elaborate because, as you said, you know, earlier, we don't have enough of this type of programming. You very rarely can turn on a terrestrial radio station or even a digital radio station online and hear them talking about mass incarceration in terms of this is a continuation of slavery is right there in the 13th well, amendment so i think you i think you said it 100 percent right program when i was young i asked my father so I, I had a different little route into this country uh when i came here uh two things kind of shocked me uh one that there was this money in the street right and so americans uh and i don't mean this in a certain way but um americans feel like oh you know i'm poor and and so American poor is like, oh, we only have like two PlayStation games. I only have like one pair of Jordans, right? Right, um, right. So I'm, I'm from a country where it's dirt poor. And so I used to pick up pennies in the street. Like that was a big thing. And I remember one day I had this woman in front of the grocery store picking out pennies, right? And throwing them on the floor like it was nothing. And so I'm standing there kind of waiting. And she's like, oh, you want those? But what stuck with me was the look on her child's face. Like, what are you doing? Like, are you bending down to pick up pennies? 
And so for me, that shocked me. The other two things was just the abundance of food here. I mean, literally, I wrote home like, dude, there's a store in every corner. <laughs> literally every corner. And on top of that, like, ice cream is a big thing where I'm from. Like, you know, you have to travel outside the town and the dairy farmer actually makes it. It's a cold stone process. It's, it's a long time. So you have to be special. It's like a big thing. Here, it's like on a driving around, the, driving around the corner and kids are just chasing behind this ice cream truck. And so there's an abundance of plethora of food. Those are two things that sort of caught me in this country. Um, and coming from an outside perspective, I grew up. My family's a Panthers. My mother was a political prisoner. My father was a Panther. And I grew up in the Panther culture. So I went to a school. I went to a revolutionary school. So when I went to school, it was a different challenge to see a lot of things missing. And, of course, uh, my life was different. I went to 26 high schools. Um, it was different and hard to integrate when you're a revolutionary and an abolitionist and you don't say the Pledge of Allegiance or you're not allowed to salute America. Yeah, I was always taught when I went to school, I oh, the Second Amendment, that was the first time I heard that the Second Amendment was the right to bear arms. You know, when I was young, I had a different sort of revolutionary education that taught me that the Second Amendment was made because the British was attacking and slave owners were afraid that they were free to slaves and so they gave them the right to bear arms and form militias to protect their property, which included us. And so there's a different view of America in America. You know what I mean? Most certainly. I was uh, talking to my mother the other day about what, what we know as, or has been labeled prosperity preaching in this country. And, you know, all it, I feel like it teaches a lot of gluttony and materialism and people believe in God for mansions and Rolls Royce and stuff like that. And I, I, t I said to my mother, you know, you are already rich. I said, if you go ask any of them people that's trapped in the border right now or in those cages, um, you know, um, the uh, migrant cages, I said, they would say you was rich. You own your own land. Less than 3% of African-Americans own land in the United States. You own your own house. I was like, you have a lot going on and in, in, in you're rich. And, you know, I just felt it in my spirit to tell her that, you know, it's, it's a matter of perspective. And that's what you were talking about. Now, as a matter of, of, of perspective, you know, I see a lot of right wingers telling people that this is a land of opportunity. Anybody can make it, um, you know, beacon of democracy and freedom and I have in the past done broadcasts and I was like, you know, why, why are you coming here? Um, you know, I mean, I understand why you're coming here, but you have a false view of what this place is really about. And when you look at the demographics of, you know, of the prison population, it is filled, number one, primarily with, with black people, African-Americans, um, you know, Afro-descendant people, then followed by Hispanics and whatnot. And I was just reading today about how now, because of the immigration policies of Donald Trump, that they're, the farmers are now contracting prison labor. So, I mean, what I'm asking is, when you came here, did you have that view? And, you know, how did it change when, you know, for you to become involved in the work that you're involved in? Obviously, you know, your incarceration, but um, did you have that view that this was the land of the free home of the brave when you first came here? Oh, no. So I stayed uh, with my uncle in Alexandria. My family came over here first. And so my parents came over here first, was like, we came over to make a better life. Then when they got there, they was like, holy crap, we're black, we have to fight. <laughs> and so 
Um, it changed a lot of their views. Uh, they became from orthodox to more conservative and religious views, but also they became revolutionaries because there was a former survivor. Uh, my mom was incarcerated for doing an after-school program and patchwork quilting and sending socks and raincoats to Israel before we started buying weapons from them, and so that was a problem. <laughs> and so my view is never the home of the brave and the land of the free, and you have the right to pursue happiness, and uh, that the harder you work, the more you get, uh, because I always had a different education system um, since I was young. When I went to American school, I was very defiant because they taught this illusion, and that's what I was alluding to. My father never let me watch TV because he said it is public programming. And so I said, I want to watch the program. And so he had me do a whole essay on what program actually meant, right? And so, yes, we program. In America, they program people 2.5 cars, you know, house, 2.5 kids, dog. You work, you go home, you relax in the community environment, and you spend your money on capitalism to support other industries. That is the American sort of program that people think that exists. The actual existence is that there's an underbelly in this society, and some people are stepped on and used by society and other races, and that is the people of color who is the builders of this country. So they actually kidnapped us and took us from our land and brought us over here to build theirs and then use us as tools and train other races to come in and look at us at the bottom of the pool. And so for me, I've always had a view that people of color and African Americans were like the cousins who left and never came back, right? And that African Americans over here in America, um, it always brings me back to the speech that Castro said when he came over here and talked to the revolution. He said, it's amazing that you're Americans fighting to be Americans against Americans in America. <laughs> and I think that that sort of resistance to allowing the people who have been here and paved the way and build it is just a sort of evidence of the prison industrial complex and what it really true establishment is. They would never let this system go. And now you have people who are astroturfers sort of actual surface out there saying that they're doing healing work, saying that they're doing restorative justice work, but they validate the prison system, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay to, 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 to get arrested as long as you can speak to the person you shot after jail, like, do your time in jail, but you'll feel available about it with this therapeutic system. No, we've been had restorative justice practices. We've been had tribal practices. We've been had practices outside of this justice system. This is an American creation. But once you have generations that are brainwashed and the experiments and the things that they've done, to decentralize the growth of an African-American community, I look at things in a different view. Um, mm -hmm. I've noticed that there's a Chinatown, there's, a, there's an Italian part of the neighborhood. Like, what is the black part of the neighborhood? Harlem, it can't be that because, you know, my godfather told me that that always was integrated. And so the project is meant for us and the jail is meant for us, right? And this is the same slave system of forced labor that all of the, like I have a museum exhibit called State Property where I travel around and show people that people are state property but products that are made in a prison is sort of like this scam, the whole prison industrial complex. I mean, look at the 80% of people in there, the demographics show up. Now, fast forward, years later I'm at the UN and I'm looking at international standards, right? I'm looking at how we have, and I've worked with Juan Mendez for the last seven years, how he doesn't have any right to go into the prison system here and make these statements but he's allowed to do it everywhere else right right because right i remember that come to this country, right once, once these people come to this country because of migration because of things america has done in their country mm -hmm. so no i never had that view comrade i've always looked at the view that uh and tried to educate people who have been here all their lives of the situation and the politics around the prison industrial complex and being blinded to it 
whereas we end up making that a self-attribution. That's because we're strong people. So we'll take what's traumatizing, what's dangerous for us, and overcome it and create a mm -hmm. right of passage for it because it's been so inherent over 400 years. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, people have a genetic fear of law enforcement because we have been running for 400 years. We have been chased and hound for 400 years, and that becomes a repetitive action. And so I don't blame people for not being educated, but I've dedicated my life to educating people. And I believe educate, activate, and they will agitate. Another word for that might be deprogramming. And, and yes, you know, um, you mentioned, you know, your uh, connection, your family's connection to the Black Panther Party. And, and I know, you know, from studying them and working with some of some of them as, you know, elder, of course, they're my elders now, but I've worked with them in the past and, you know, just really try to pay attention to what they're saying. But Malcolm X it's the reason why I created the Black Talk Radio Network because when I read his quote, but I also saw a video video of him seeing how the American news media after World War II flipped the script before during the war. Oh, the Germans and the, and the Japanese are enemies and the Russians and the Chinese are friends. After the war, they flipped it in, in, in reverse. And he said that media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. It controls the minds of the masses. And I knew right then you know, I got that message of what he was telling us that the media programs us. And and so the work that you're involved in, the work that we have been involved in is deprogramming and, and trying to program people with, with the righteous truth. Um, you know, the Black Panther Party, when I was speaking earlier about standing on the shoulders of, of um, prior abolitionists, um, you know, um, the Black Panther Party was calling this slavery. Angela Davis was calling this slavery at that time and pointing to the 13th Amendment. Um, you know, one of my other comrades said that he became an abolitionist years ago because of Angela Davis uh, teaching, you know, him that, you no, know, we still dealing with a continuation of slavery. Maxwell, did you have anything you wanted to add at, at this moment, I'm just letting uh, Mr. Five, uh, brother, uh, brought him on just basically, you know, bring attention and, and share exactly what it is that he's doing and how he can enlighten and encourage everybody. And, um, you know, at times I will chime in. Mm -hmm. now, I just, so so I wanted in. to just say this, right? When I came home, a lot of things that, that we have done uh, on an abolitionist note was, you know, mm -hmm. look inside look inside yourself and see what impacts you, right? So I've taken mm -hmm. my own narrative, my own story, and sort of created the solutions out of that, right? So yeah. they didn't let me out of prison until they locked up the entire police department that locked me up. And so mm -hmm. the Connecticut police department was indicted, ACLU, mm -hmm. um, the shop steward, the lieutenant, everyone. And that's how I got out. Um, mm -hmm. And the funny thing was, um, and I always try to make a little joke about this, but it's not funny, but Mm -hmm. I'm in my cell, and they open the cell, and they're like, hey, Five, you know, you've been here for like 10 years, and you haven't done anything, and you're innocent, and all the cops are guilty. Uh, turns out you're right. They just locked them all up. Here's $40. Here's a bus ticket. Good luck. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right? And so I left solitary confinement um, with um, some serious persistent mental illness. I had a panic attack in the bus station, 42nd Street mm -hmm. time. I dropped off after several years in the box, went to the hospital, had a panic attack. They, in New York, they have laws where if you have chest pain, they have to take you to the hospital, stress test. So I did all of that, went to mm -hmm. parole the next day. They said, that's messed up. You should have been in yesterday. Turn around, put your hands behind your back. So they sent me back. And I got locked back mm -hmm. up and I came wow. right? 
So when I came home, I took my problems backwards. The first thing I did was around, because when I went back to jail, they said, oh, five, hey, welcome back. You still owe us like 300 days in the box. And I went back to the box. Mm. And so I wrote a bill against old box time, right? And especially on Rikers Island. And so if you're on Rikers Island before, and you did time and you went to the box and you're like, hey, I'm going to be leaving from court to see or write you another ticket. You could like write another one. I'm leaving them all. He writes another mm-hmm. one. Ten years later, you come back. They're like, yeah. hey, remember us? You still owe us mm-hmm. time. So yeah, I wrote a bill that right. passed. My thing was, I don't that think anyone sees That just problem. passed recently, didn't it? Didn't I just pass no, recently? I think, or five, or, no, no, I actually passed that? that in like 2002. Well, 2013. Oh, all right. What I yeah. passed recently was free phone calls and the taser yeah. uh, with oh, Landers right. and us. So I've passed over 100 bills in the city, yeah. many more in the state and the federal system. Um, I've done so mm-hmm. many bills, they gave awards to drunk, councilman drunk. Yeah. So a lot mm-hmm. of these bills are done because it is us, the slaves, the ex-slaves, who know the problem. The problem is that at one point in time, they wouldn't listen to us, they wouldn't validate us, and we had to sort of fight for academia to respect them. Even when Eddie Ellis came home, he created the whole Center for New Leadership and said, why we can't teach in universities? We have every degree that can be ever attained in this one group. And so I think it's just the refusal that the solutions will come from those most experienced. And so most of my legislation ended up creating a system that I needed to create a whole nonprofit project. And that's how I started incubating projects. Jails Action Coalition, CAVE, RAP, all of these groups that we sort of churned out came out of the need. And so um, this is how Incarcerated Nation is built on so many other projects because mm-hmm. each one of us is a leader and each one of us taken on. That mm-hmm. is the same tribal defense that we had in Africa. That is the same tribal defense that we had in any continent and we live that. We just end up trying to do things with the master's tools to dismantle the master's house that would never work. We need yeah. real community programs, real accountability, and real networks that we exist in. And let me say this, but uh, 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 five. A lot of times, behind these closed doors, you would assume that those closest to the problem, you know, have the solutions to them. But we would be a part of that policy making, sitting behind in these meetings, these closed doors and stuff that these politicians are sitting behind. When we are the ones that fully understand what the problem is, as we have lived it, it's not something we read about. It's not something we we were told about. Is something that we actually live firsthand experience. And we know what the solutions are to the problems. And we know that this is an overall, systematically, across the board, that all this was written out the way that it was written out. It, you know, it, it was a plan. It's not just something that has happened and, and, and it developed over the years. It was a, it's, it's a, it's a plan, you know? And like I said, you have all these doctors and the, these professors with all these degrees that's making decisions. And like I said, you know, they minimize the knowledge. Are we any less important? You know, they make us less important, you know, to the solutions. I don't know if you noticed that. Well, when a oh, lot of yeah. policies are being made. Well, well Max, sure. though, are they really looking for solutions? Because certainly Alec... The American uh, Legislative Exchange Commission, which was run by the Koch brothers and many uh, that group, which had like private prisons as part of it and what have you. They were writing the legislation. So that's why that's why I feel like they didn't call on you on you brothers and sisters with experience to provide a solution because they wasn't looking for a solution. 
But I'm talking about right now, right now, in this damn time, again. I don't when think they are. When we on these panel discussions, and they try to make the doctors, professors, and them more important, mm-hmm. that what they have to say, that what we have to say is what I'm saying. I'm not talking about a uh, past, I'm talking about a present, right as a present, right now. These decisions are being made, you know, these behind these closed doors and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Let me just say this, brother. There is there is a few of us too. Don't get it wrong. It's not everybody previously incarcerated has this. There's a lot of house Negroes. There's a lot of house yeah. slaves as well. Yeah. And remember, yeah. inside of slavery, when you uh, worked in a house, you got a white shirt. Yeah. Right? You got a white shirt yeah. so that you can have yeah. a sense of white skin. This is where sergeants mm-hmm. and captains and law enforcement get the white shirt, right? Yeah. And so yeah. the white shirt meant that you were an agent and a master and everything you said. I mean, in fact, they initiated punishment more than the slave master did, right? Yeah. And so yeah. the house slaves, there's a few of them still. Like, if you have mm-hmm. organizations, I'm just going to be very blunt and I'm very honest. Like Go the, ahead, yeah, exactly. The Koch brothers launched several non-profits. They yeah. fund all of Van Jones' projects, all mm-hmm. of the Dream Corps projects. All right, the right, right. They own all of the commodities. They own oh, half oh, of the private yeah, prisons. Yeah, they exactly. launch a non-profit and say, we're going to close the prison, half of them. That is mm-hmm. making a Babe Ruth sort of call, right? Or we're going to close half the prisons and cut 50. Yeah. So you're setting in front of the abolitionists that we could stop at 50%. No, we're going to stop when it's done. We're going to stop when we destroy all of the slavery industrial complex. We're not going to end yeah. with that. And yeah. so they have these groups that come up that say that they're doing the work of helping and healing people uh-huh. when they're validating the system. This is not a system that, and I just want to make sure that this is clear so that people who's listening can understand, this is not something that just, got out of control or spun too fast and we just have too many people in prison. The prison system itself is a system of slavery and design for that. I think that that's a misconception because people don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and make them feel uncomfortable. Great. If you wasn't born in the 1800s, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> what I'm talking about is the modern day slavery that is still happening and our people are complacent. 80% of the correctional system is people of color in guards. 75% of that in New York State is women, black women. Mm-hmm. Black women, fastest growing demographic. Correction: seventy percent is black uh, women of color, right? Yeah. And I say that because there's a certain amount of brainwashing that's happening, and people think I got a mm-hmm. good job. I'm protecting the community. Um, mm-hmm. You are inducing um, a system of complacentness that this is the only justice system we have. We can create our own community courts and create our own system of justice. And so, when I look at the human rights, right? When you look at the the whole compartment of the U.S. Declaration of Human Rights, even Article 5, which says you have a right to be free from cruel and unusual punishment. Look at my uncle from the Angola 3 who spent 44 years in solitary confinement, right? Just because he was a black man who refused to renounce his political beliefs. And so that system itself is a shining example that it doesn't matter what you did, right? It's who you are that keeps you incarcerated. And so the system of incarceration, the fact that the states benefit off of that, and if you live in that state and you make all of the products to help all of the federal and city and state organizations and agencies like the schools, the mm-hmm. courthouses, all those materials are made from prison labor, the taxpayers are the real dupes. Once again, the, 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 the layer of classism, where if you're an indebted servant, you're not really rich, but you have that white privilege, you're able to play a part in that. And I don't want it to be lost that this is about race, that these yeah. same organizations like Alex 
are still functioning. These same systems are still working when you have the person who owns most of the private prisons saying, I'll close half of them, and he's a good right, guy. Right, <laughs> right. Right. So it's like Malcolm said, you pull a nine-inch knife in my back and pull it out six inches, I'm supposed to be happy? No. Oh man, that, that that was a great analogy there. Uh, what because yeah, that's it's like so. That's what I meant, Max. Is they still yeah. in control now? I do believe that the system wouldn't have tried to do anything, any kind of reform whatsoever, if it was not for the people, the masses of people, people like yourself, yeah. people like Five, yeah. people like me, and, and many many others who have been yeah. been you know pointing these things out and putting pressure, you know, on the system. So what the system is doing is trying to mitigate their losses. And the very yeah. same people yeah, who created yeah, the problem. It's a business deal. Right. In other ways. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now, let me let me say this. Let me say this. Right now, a lot of the politicians, they're jumping on board of this prison reform and everything, is using it as a platform and it's exchange. And, you know, there's some compromise now. You know, our votes and everything, they're using that because they know that is a major issue that we are attacking and that we are addressing in this country right now. And a lot of them are running on that platform right now that they truly support it. But what they're doing is just trying to compromise because they're caught red-handed in this system. Everybody's starting to catch on right now to what's really going on. Instead of them losing all, they're going to give in a little bit. But I want to ask you this, uh, uh, Mr. Fox. Uh, how do you feel about the First Step Act? I, I want you to, if you can expound on that. I mean, it's been some change, but I really <laughs> would like to hear your opinion on that. Yes, sir. So, uh, another bill pushed forward by the Koch brothers um, mm-hmm. and Cut 50 and sort of like uh, Newt Gingrich and Eric Holder and all these other people. Um, yeah. But let me, just, let me just say this real quick. So, they have yeah. a, a group called the Reform Alliance. It's basically yeah, yeah. in con to our abolition alliance group, right? Is that who and is that? So, that's, that's not with uh, Mick, Mick Mills and JV yes, and that one. Yes, it is. Yeah. All right, go ahead. I'm glad. I'm glad. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear this. Go ahead. Um, if you want to know the whole Meek Mills story, I could break that down to you as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. I would like to. That's very so important. Let me just yeah. touch on that. Reform. They have a group called Reform Alliance. Have you ever read mm-hmm. the American Dexon definition of reform? Because uh, I think that English is a bastard language, but it also allows for the disguising of a lot yeah. of things like the 13th Amendment, yeah. right? So reform yeah. actually means to restructure and fix something so that it's stronger than it ever was before. Yeah, It's yeah. something that is repairing something, right? We're not, right. that's where we're abolitionists, we're abolishing it, right? Uh, and so yeah. Meek Mills gets locked up on a parole violation, a technical violation. I had a mm-hmm. bill with Katow, with Gabriel Saki mm-hmm. and Katow, mm-hmm. and we have a mm-hmm. legislation called Less is More because we have all of the data that we did with Columbia Justice Club to say there are yeah. more people on probation and parole than there are in prison, sad to say, and that's yeah. not a good thing. So less people yeah. in prison is actually more people on parole and probation. It's still the same thing. It's outdoor prison, right? And it's and still, so, yeah. It's yeah, still, still is. So what happened place. was yeah. Meek, got, yeah, Meek got violated. I was mm-hmm. doing the I Am Cap event with Tamika Mallory mm-hmm. and, my, and my, one of my mentees, my son, who's a rapper, and Chi yeah. Ali, they both, and Prodigy. Prodigy yeah, had I'm just passed away. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace. He was one of the major people that came out and spoke at events and, and did mm-hmm. the whole parole reform with me, right? So we yeah. had this bill, and we said we're going to push his meek cake. I get a, I yeah. get a letter from Matulo. So mm-hmm. Matulo's in Greater Foot. Yeah. He yeah. has a project in Philly called the Center for Returning Citizens. 
with his mentee, John Dye Harrell. So John Dye said, uh-huh. I'll throw a concert for Meek. I'll get a bunch mm-hmm. of Philly artists. We'll get a free Meek yeah. Mill thing going. Get him out. Yeah. So we yeah. go to the concert. We get him out. Van Jones and them pop up with Jay-Z. Jay-Z snatches yeah. Meek Mill and grabs yeah. it and creates a whole nonprofit called the Reform Alliance. And yeah. right now, like, I just had a attack on Twitter yesterday from Van mm-hmm. Jones, as always, inboxing me like a child with emojis and mm-hmm. smiley faces because mm-hmm. he likes the type hey. fight. Yeah, <laughs> serious. I'm gonna send you this when we hang up. These little I'll images. Go ahead. Yeah. But the problem is that you're you're astroturfing. You're coming in to make it look like you're doing the work, and you're trying to settle uh-huh. bipartisan bills. Now this yeah. happened when I had a bill um, called the first. There was the First Step Act, and there was a Fair Chance Act, right? And fair so Chance with Obama, President Obama. With yes, but no Obama. President it was the bill I did with Cory Booker, and I was pushing yeah. prison kids at the same time because I had another film. Mm-hmm which I ended up fussing out Van Jones in the White House in front of Obama yeah. about, because he mm-hmm. said some some people just wake up in the morning and have a mm-hmm. determinant to go to jail. And, and I kind of yeah. lost yeah. it when I'm on the stage. Yeah. Um, the problem with this is that we think that there's human rights backing it, right? There's mm-hmm. no level of human rights unless we fight for that. And when you put yeah. a stop point that the prison system is okay at half, you're making yeah. an expectation rate that validates the system. And so for me, when you have stars as a presence, that was something that I always tried to replicate. Even the first student group I made called P.D. Green, I named it after P.D. Green because he was the radio show host that talked about Dr. King's assassination. He went yeah. on Johnny Carson's show and talked about prisoner reentry, and Johnny gave him his own show. The first guest he had was Jesse Williams, I mean, Jesse Jackson. And mm-hmm. he said, you know, hey, Jesse, how you feeling? I'm glad you were black man on the show. How should it be a sellout? And he put him on blast. And so I think yeah. that media has always been that um, sort of, uh, uh, guard to advising mm. people, but the people and the masses of people has always mm. been the means to getting the civil rights and the rights that we need. And so they yeah. see the movement amassing and they want to mm. get ahead of it right. to reform mm. it. And yeah. basically, it's mostly because they started going to prison too, so now they want to make the prison condition better. The federal yeah. system is within their control, and even though we're fighting as, as organizers and activists to mm. put the truth out there, and yeah. they have to combat it in some way. So they try to look like the good guys. Yeah. And so yeah. reform is about strengthening the system. And so the problem mm-hmm. now is Meek is having problems on Twitter because yeah. every rap artist that he tries to, to um, bring aboard his group, they're like, yeah. we ain't messing with you, man. <laughs> you messing uh-huh. with the police and you messing with people who own the prisons. And so I uh-huh. think he's been a pawn in this situation as well. But yeah. when you're talking about reform, you're talking mm-hmm. about strengthening the system. And so the bills, the bipartisan bills, mm-hmm. are not cutting toward abolition. It's meeting mm-hmm. people sort of medium mm-hmm. ways so that the prison can still exist. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm going to ask you a question while I got you there. Now, and while we there, now, uh, remember we said all these uh, different programs and whether people come home in the house arrest or whatever is still a form of modern-day slavery, correct? It all is. that's still tied to the system now. Uh, their reform alliance, and uh, as you know, Jay Z and me invested, and Jay Z invested three million recently into the app that will monitor former prisoners. You know, as they come home, did you, you are, are you familiar with that? That's their yes, slave. Their slave passes. He's sort of expert on that. He's one of our comrades that deals with electronic monitoring, and that is the sort of sellout of the prison system. Hey, just hey guys. Hey, Max, hey, Max, Max, the image that I got in my head when you mentioned that is 
victims of slavery prior to 1865 on the plantation getting a pass to be mm-hmm. off the plantation. Yeah. That's all ankle yeah. monitoring and all that stuff is. Yeah, I know that. It still is, but I'm just asking him, how does he feel with that? I mean, it's a twofold. Here you is, Jay-Z, y'all, going for prison reform, mass incarceration, reduce this and that at the same time. You're investing in something that we're complaining about other people are investing in. And even though you have these alliances and stuff, right, and, you know, I don't, you know, I, I'm a little confused. I'm, I'm saying I'm a little confused. That's what I'm trying to get you to help me uh, understand, uh, brother, uh, 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 Mr. Fox. Uh, yes, how do you feel about that? How do you, well, how do you I feel like the, the mass system, feel about system, it? One of the problems about the system, right, is that okay. it'll always change. It's ever growing. It's organic, right? Mm-hmm. And this system is built on survival because they need our human bodies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. One, we don't have equality. We don't have women equality. Women ain't even the yeah. same as men. So let's not even, we just have voting rights and we just started shackling women when they're giving birth in prison in New York State this yeah. year. And so there's a lot of things we haven't gone for human rights. And I say that, that I'm yeah. the basis. When you look at the analytics, the analytics of what is actually happening, what is actually working, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. working. So they want to strengthen mm-hmm. the system by creating mm-hmm. uh, bills that will pass fast, but doesn't really have peace yeah. to get people out. But what the bill yeah. is actually doing is recreating a whole nother system. Now, the mm-hmm. whole right on crime team, all of those people came about, especially when I was doing, when we did, like I did the first two congressional hearings on solitary ever. The first one yeah. built the cell literally in the Congress. Second one yeah. literally had pictures of the kids in solitary provided by Richard Ford. even had my friend Piper come and testify. It was a joint yeah. effort between the Innocence Project, and it went all the mm-hmm. way up to Congress. Nothing yeah. happens after that. This is what I try to do to show people. When mm-hmm. Jazz, when my godfather, Joseph Jazz Hagman, took on Copwatch, he took it all the way to the federal court and proved it all, won it all, but we still mm-hmm. get hundreds of videos of people murdering by police, choked yeah. out, strangled, shot, ran over, and it doesn't make a difference. They took yeah. it all the way to the federal court around the right to record, and they removed the mm-hmm. judge from the bench. Yeah, wow, I know. They just went all the way to Congress. Yeah. Right, I took solitary all the way to Congress with yeah. the top psychs on the planet, Stuart Grossian, Terry Cuffler, Craig Haney, and it still didn't make any difference. So that's why I try to wow. show people laws are not written for us. They're not meant for us. We have yeah. to take it into our own form, create our own treatment, keep our own people. Yeah, when exactly. I was young, my parents used to do the go-in-the-jail parties. And my mm-hmm. family had a whole building that people's family would come live with us until they got out of prison. Like, there was yeah. no call on ACS, right? There was yeah. no systems of slavery that kept our children until we came home. Then we had to fight and pay for them to get back. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that the idea of reforming something that is slavery is mm-hmm. only yeah. to sort of tear down the proof that we've proven that it's a slave system. And so yeah. they're saying, no, it's a business. We can control it. But when you're breaking yeah. people as a means of your business and 50% of those people come back. So the yeah. First Chance Act only birthed, I mean, these other acts only birthed a new system of electronic monitoring. Yeah. So James Kilgore, he's one of us, um, previously incarcerated. He has mm-hmm. the whole program and he's sort of the expert on electronic and ankle monitoring. Yeah. And that's a growing system. And if you look at these people's yeah. portfolio, they're all mm-hmm. invested into the technology company uh-huh. that makes the ankle yeah. monitor. Exactly. And they have, this is one of the reasons they have people to lobby to get certain bills sponsored and passed. Mm-hmm. You know, because they got, yeah, that they got two yeah. congressmen and the state attorney general on their board. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who to also get them bailed passed. out people. Yeah. They bailed out HBSC when they got caught with laundering money for the cartel. And so if you got yeah. money, you don't have to go to prison. You can buy your way out. Right. And yeah, so right. I believe yeah. that they're only trying to make a new complacent system. Yeah. That's crazy, right? When, I, when, when Richard Bronson came home, 
He came to mm. join my board, right? Incarcerated Nation. Yeah. Richard Bronson was the wolf of Wall Street. When he uh. came home, he said, five, I'm going to give you 70 million jobs. He created a website called 70 Million Jobs. He literally knew so much dirt on all yeah. these companies, PDA, the airport, JFK, all of these different businesses that he got 70 million jobs for people previously incarcerated because he's now previously incarcerated. Yeah. That is the fear of the system, that yeah. their people will be their own worst enemy. Mm. Mm. Because we have 325 million Americans in this country, over 100 million are previously incarcerated and disfranchised uh -huh. in a society. So literally, yeah. we're like a mutant society in some sense, right? Like X-Men in that terminology, even though that series was written about slavery and incarceration and the black people in America. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Hey, uh, Brother Five, I want to take it back to, to human rights because, you know, human rights, that's the basis of international law. And that's that, where Malcolm got it right at. Say that again, sir. I said that is where Brother Malcolm X had got it right at. When exactly. He came back and said, it's not all white people, it's the white people in this country. Right, right. And so he talked about going to the UN and, and what have you. Now, when it comes to slavery and the things that we were just discussing, just to tell people, you know, you need to read the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which was enacted in 1948. That was after uh, World War II. A lot of it was uh, fresh off of what we found out that the Nazis were doing to the Jews, the gypsies, and anybody else they didn't like. Um, but Article 4, I frequently point to Article 4. Now, the United States is a signatory, but they never ratify the, the uh, UN Declaration of Human Rights. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt put in a lot of work to try to advance this, but it was never ratified. But I always point people to Article 4. And I'm going to read it right now to our audience. Article 4 of the UN Declaration of Human Rights says... No one shall be held in slavery or servitude. Slavery and the slave trade shall be prohibited in all their forms. So the 13th Amendment is in clear violation of Article 4. It's, 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 it's the continuation of slavery in this country. And that's universal law. That's the, yes, you're absolutely right. And um, one of the things that I always cite uh, to prove that is the next yeah. very article. The next very article can prove yeah. that um, this system of slavery um, is tantamount to cruel and unusual punishment, which is 14, which is literally uh, torture. Let me read right. Article 5 to the audience. Yeah. Article yeah. 5, which follows Article 4. No one shall be subjected to torture or to cruel, inhumane, or degrading treatment mm -hmm. or punishment. So there, let that take for a minute because whenever I hear that, I always think about any condition in prison. And I don't mean the one because every condition yeah. in prison is going to be categorized for that. Yeah. And, uh, and so as you, the, the money, right? Let's, let's, mm -hmm. Let me just shift the conversation a little bit into the fact that uh, New York State, we pay about 200000 per person per year on Rikers Island. We pay about wow. 75000 uh, per person between 75 and 100 per person in the state facilities and so that depends on age of course if you're 55 or older it's going to cost them more to keep you yeah. and so and this is a system on the back of the taxpayers and the taxpayers are only getting a removal of the person like if you have a problem with this person we will remove them from society and take mm -hmm. them away out of sight out of mind and they'll tell you that that person is coming back 
Of course, yeah. how they come back depends on you, right? And so the slavery system is about capture. Mm-hmm. It is about mm-hmm. providing jobs, right? There's about a million, two million people in prison. There's about four million people employed behind that, brother. Yeah. This is a this is a business, right? And so they're never gonna let yeah. the business go down because the profit value is up. People just have to start being educated about why am I paying for this? You know, I yeah. did, I do a lot of work. I have the nation's largest student group. I started in Princeton. I'm in Harvard, Yale, all of the sort of Ivy Leagues, and we have a group called the mm-hmm. Student Alliance for Prison Reform. But in Princeton, I have a student group called this uh, Prison Education Reform Project called Spear. So students for prison education. Oh yeah, yeah. I was there last year with uh, Susan Burton at Princeton last year. And, uh, oh, you came to my. Oh, that's a conference. Yeah, I, I was there. With, I was there with Susan Burton. I was there. Nice, yeah. nice. So my students uh, do an immense amount of reporting and immense amount of reports. Plus, they teach in every prison in in, in Jersey, um, and they teach yeah. in all the correctional facilities as well. And so, one of the yeah. things that we did that we're pretty famous for is the Super Predator Report. And I just want to point to this for a second because about the money. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> and so, the Super Predator Report was done by a Princeton professor who had a five-year escalating report. And he said, "I'm doing this five-year report." The Clintons. Uh, sponsored it, right? Yeah, yeah. The report was supposed to capture data within a five-year stretch and come up with analysis. The first mm-hmm. year was that there was a rise in crime for youth. They took that report and made a whole issue about it and used that yeah. to back their $30 billion crime bill, which wow. of a huge amount of disenfranchisement, right? This is during mm-hmm. the 80s and sort of, I mean, this is uh, during their era. Even before yeah. that, Reagan cut community-based funding, setting up the stage. And I think that people don't look at it like one big conspiracy, right? They kind of put the yeah. in apart. And mm-hmm. this is why Mark Mao, who's another comrade of us, when he wrote um, Race to Incarcerate... Project, right? Yeah, Sins and Project, yeah, yeah. Mark Mao. Yeah. yeah, and he also wrote a book called Race to Incarcerate, which showed the trend of each president conditioning and sort of continuing the system mm-hmm. of slavery, but also the prison yeah. industrial complex. And it's a graphic novel, so I give it to my youth to read. But when you get the picture that every president is only escalating it, you can see how Reaganomics before that and Nixon before Mm -hmm. that and sort of set the stage for what the Clintons did. And so that Mm -hmm. $30 billion crime bill, 42 states made juvenile laws. Mm -hmm. 42 states raised the age, 14, Mm 15-year-olds, charged an adult. That created an increase in incarceration, but also permanent ramifications that we still haven't changed yet. And then but also when they the first up, year they, report, yeah. they didn't when take they it. So my greatest advocate yeah. against that is I travel the world with that same professor denouncing his own yeah. report because he said they never let him. It's like taking the cover letter mm. and assuming that's the whole book. Mm. Yeah. Misinterpreting also, his work. Well, intentionally misinterpreting it because right. they got $30 billion from the city. Yeah. Or I should say, I should say misrepresenting his work. Oh, definitely yeah. intentional misrepresentation. Also, yeah. when when Clinton uh, incorporated that uh, that bill and everything, people forget that he also incorporated the Prisoners Legal Reform Act yes. to make sure you would not get out whether after the sentence or not in the appeal process. They don't realize yeah. he the also Clinton. did that. Yep. You remember and that, uh, uh, Mr. Fox? You remember that, right? The, uh, the, yes, the, the I do. Prisoners Legal and Reform the Act system. And the SNAP yeah. system. He yeah. changed the whole supplementary nutritional assistance yeah. program. Yes. To exclude you from it if you're a family. So now you're going to starve you. And that's the three basic needs you have as a human being to survive. That's why yeah. I bring it back to human rights. Every yeah. decriminalization bill, every bill that attacks people post-incarcerated deprives mm. you from what? Food, clothes, and shelter. The basic yeah. essential right. top three of the pyramid that you need to survive. So that is genocide. That is not yeah. an attack on civil rights or human rights. 
That is an attack yeah. on a people is genocide. And let's look at the nah. steps of genocide, right? First, you have yeah. identification. And then you identify a problem, a particular ill of society. And then yeah. you associate these people with that problem. And then you will start harassing those people. Then you start taking those people's properties and their civil liberties. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you just start taking the people. <laughs> yeah. Now, another analogy you can use. Uh, remember uh, when, uh, during the course of uh, uh, this $30 uh, uh, billion dollar bill and everything, also, when the people got locked up, the majority of them were locked up for what? Drugs, right? Mm-hmm. majority was drugs and everything. Drugs, 85% of Yeah, eight, all right. Now, when you go down, recently, when uh, 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 the Surgeon General and uh, President Trump them declared it an uh, emergency, state of emergency health problem and allocated all that money for treatment, but for who? When it affected who? White people. When you start hitting suburban area and and, and the, uh, people of the Caucasian descendant and stuff, now it's a health problem. But before right. it was a, a, the criminalization of that, which caused all that in this mass incarceration. The very thing, how they flipped it around when it started to affect them, then it becomes a health problem. Hmm. They still locking them up, though. Yeah, you know that, that is on the heels of our own progress as well because they always remixing our own results and taking credit for it. Let me just explain yeah. that. Right. So yeah. about four yeah. years ago, I realized that the OPCAT, the Optical Protocol Against Torture, especially based on the Mandela Rules, is not really going to have teeth. And we were creating yeah. the Credible Messages system to merge it with it. So Credible mm-hmm. Messages in New York were supposed to be, when you get a chance, or anyone listening, if you just Google OPCAT and you watch the video that explains it, you'll understand it, right? Explain so it again. Explain it. Repeat that again. OPCAT, the Optical Protocol Against Torture, was a program mm-hmm. that we started with the UN that was supposed mm-hmm. to make agents in the community. And so we yeah. started the Credible Messenger Movement and was hoping yeah. to merge those as human rights leaders, but also mm-hmm. agents that can go into prisons, make reports, group yeah. homes, foster homes, all these things where yeah. abuse and torture happens and become yeah. advocates. The reason why is because we got tired of the United Nations Rapporteur being refused to get into the prison. This is how, this is why I closed down Rikers and got Clemens and them out of there and got them to hire the guy from Maine. Most people said, fine, why did you go to Maine and get this guy, Pond, who didn't know nothing? I didn't care where they were, where you came from. Right, because New York has a system that they hire from within. So I wrote the bill with de Blasio when he got into office that allowed him to hire outside the state. And then I went and got a guy that know nothing from New York just to come here because my whole plan wasn't to bring a new commissioner to run the jail. It's just that yeah. when I met him, I said, hey, I want you to have lunch with Juan Mendez. He said, oh, yeah, I'll invite him to the jail. I said, oh, I'm about to shut yeah. this whole thing down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And wow. so uh, right. it was to say the House representative, <laughs> the House uh, person, the House slave, it was Norman Seabrook who stopped that from happening yeah. because yeah. Trump yeah. invited Juan Mendez to come to Rikers Island and I was going to shut down the whole city jail system. And so even with that, when it got denied, I used it as an elevation to show the world that this man is a United Nations agent and he can't even walk into a jail. Exactly. Ain't that something, though? Exactly. What what are they hiding? And he wrote so many reports. He didn't personally came to a city council hearing for me in the U.S. I even bought the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights and did a report from the White House and bought it for testimony. I did the hearing at NYU, and I had the Board of Correction testimony and flew in the White House representative to say, because I'm in the White House, and they're saying, hey, do you have any, do you, could you help us make a report on somewhere where there's racial yeah. inequality? I said, racial inequality? Yeah. 
<laughs> you want to just come home with me? Like, you can go yeah. to Rikers and see that. Like, the racial amount of people in solitary. Mm-hmm. So the higher the punishment, the higher the people of color you'll see in that environment. So when you yeah. go to solitary, 90% of people are people of color. And yeah, 50% exactly. of suicides and 50% of happens there. So we have to yeah. start from the dungeon, which is also mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I helped co-create NARCRAT, the National Religious Campaign mm-hmm. Against Torture for the Expansion, because yeah. we need to have a moral police on society. And I wanted to just say that because the yeah. moral and the ethics and the money is all mixed in together. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, New Jersey, New Jersey has a bill pending right now before uh, Governor Murphy to end solitary confinement in uh, I know, that's another group. That's the New Jersey cake. And so I created, yeah. we created that as a franchise yeah. so that I have New yeah. Jersey cake, I have Connecticut cake. I did a yeah. whole hunger strike in California, me and Dolores, 80,000 people in the prison system. We turned it to 120,000 people plus the people well, in New York. I believe it's going to pass. And he also has a bill for the marijuana bill that's on his desk right now waiting to be signed. And what that's going to oh, do, man, it's going to be stark free. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying it's pending right now. But what it's going to do is going to restore a lot of people right back and voting right. And it's going to abolish a lot of yeah, people that, where they're able that, to. Well, yeah. well, listen, we uh, we do got to get ready to uh, wrap it up. Our goals by fast. Brother Scotty, I, me- I remember you said we, we one day we're going to run over time. And if it's possible, Brother Scotty, tonight would be the perfect time, bro. Okay, well, well, we, we can. can. We, can shoot, we can go past. We can shoot past that time. Okay, well, well, let me just say this, though. Yeah. Because there is, well, there's always been... Um, the federal government, corporations, individuals who have always tried to divide the black community. And when I say the black community, I'm talking about the global black community, African descendant yeah. people. And, you yeah. know, nor, and I'm not going to name this movement, but it, it troubles me. Um, you yeah. know, it's anti-African immigrant, it's anti-African, mm-hmm. it's trying to divide, you know, African Americans from our African uh, descended brothers and sisters. And, and you know, Brother Five, you are, you are an African immigrant to this country who has fully integrated himself into the struggle and not just integrated himself but leading the struggle and not just on a national level but on an international level because I hear people say well what what are they doing for us and, and, and pan-Africanism is dead but you are the embodiment of pan-Africanism a prime example Yes, sir. And I, and, I know, just I, wanted I, to thank you. My, my answer to that and my, is a counter question, you know, maybe because of my own beliefs that we ask, we answer questions with questions. Um, is when was the last time uh, when I asked people, they say, oh, well, you know, all of this stuff and this and Africans don't help us really. Uh, when was the last yeah. time you've been to Africa? Because yeah. when I watch TV and I see these commercials of starving kids and really mm-hmm. deserts and flies in their face and stars, I'm like, yeah. where's that at? Is like where's that at? Because I didn't see that in my country. Now that is country, stage. A lot of it stage. A lot of it stage. All of it stage. By these big organizations, it's stage to create a funding that they don't even receive. The funding don't even actually make it there. But so the Pan Africanism is this. I have a we have an exchange program right now. A comrade of mine did twelve years in prison, came home and worked with Baz Derringer. Now this brother Devon. Simmons mm-hmm. came home. We in Columbia together. He's in John Jay. He also helped me start a student group. He started a student group in Hostos, and mm-hmm. he now has an exchange program with South Africa, where prisoners can go to education and come over here to go to college at John Jay. And he's yeah. in South African studying with Nelson Mandela's children. 
And so oh, I don't wow. believe that there's this pan-Africanism denial because it yeah. was almost like New York. When I got here in New York, because I was in Compton, I was in California, I was in Oakland when my mm-hmm. family we traveled. And so when yeah. I came to New York, a lot of gang members was like, oh, we can't go to Cali because the brothers out there got beef with us. Really, who told you that? When's the last time you've been out there? And so now we have national gang unity because it's the media that makes that look like, oh, if you come out there, it's gonna be a problem. No, it's not because we're going through the same struggle. They just wanna know how are you surviving your struggle where you at? And so I think the mentality of survival gets to a really low point and our people who are over here have to survive, right? Survival is that mentality with the youth to say, Look, man, I got to survive. I got to feed my family. You got to feed your family. Let the best man win. And a lot of black-on-black crime happens because of that. I don't think that there's a lot of hatred. I also Mm -hmm. think that it's a mixture of cultures, right? Because in Africa, my people have been colonized as well. More people speak French and with the English accent than they speak Swahili, which we was hoping would be the national language, or they even speak Hebrew. And the first time I seen a white Jew is when I came over here. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be honest. And so there's a lot of stereotypes that is controlled here, but with the release of social media, there will be a rebirth of pan-Africanism, I believe, once we start controlling our own content and stop watching programming, becoming paid programming, and becoming programmed, I think that we will start our own cultural shows and our own sort of ethnicity that will spiral the other falsehoods that is around it, right? Um, I I think it's also... There's aggressions in other countries. It's not true. And it's also where their sources of information, you know. What's your source of information? Because I pay attention. I know people who have gone to Geneva, to the human rights, you know, standing up for political prisoners and what have you. I know that African countries... uh, help put pressure in the UN General Assembly to produce that reparations report that just came out in 2018 saying the United States. So it, I don't some of it I think are they're running a con job and some of it is just ignorance. Listen brother, I am a part of the United Nations Network as well, right? And the United Nations, the UN Network is uh, the United Nations Council on Africa Reprimand. And it is filled with a lot of African-Americans and us who represent African countries as well. And so I don't believe that there is this divide. I believe that there is a public assumption of divide. Now, when Africans, when we come over to this country, we may not be as materialistic as, as Americans are because they have been programmed a lot to buy these things and fight into fashion. But when you look at history, right, and you look at slavery, and you look at the systematic brainwashing of African-Americans and people in this country, you sort of see why people act that way, right? So they deny you the ability to wear clothes. They deny you the ability to be a man to the point that people are in the street with signs literally saying, I am a man, like self-identifying themselves to people by force. Mm -hmm. And then they said, okay, you know what? Because I look at slavery as like a giant a giant con joke. Like, okay, I'm going to give you a couple of, uh, 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 oh, okay, slavery ended. Um, you know, hey, look, you know, they end the slavery. Let me take these chains off. Uh, we cool, right? Okay. So, um, you know, the house I used to, let, let, me, let me just uh, say this. Uh, you can now do what you want to do. You can have freedoms and you can actually work for it. Oh, don't worry. Those plantations, those farms that you've been building, we built agricultural systems. As a matter of fact, let me take this piece of paper. I'm going to write this number on this piece of paper. It's a piece of paper, but I'm going to write these numbers on it. And these numbers mean something. Like this paper is very special. Now, I'm going to give it to you. And um, you hold on to it because you've earned it for the work you did. So 
I used to beat you for doing work, so if you do it willingly now, I'll give you this piece of paper with a number on it. Oh, wait. Um, okay, so it's Friday. Um, let me get uh, two pieces of those paper back because the shed I used to tie you up in, I used to chain you in, well, you got to pay rent for that. Um, you got to buy food because we created industry so our kids could survive, so you have to buy that from us now. Mm -hmm. No, I know that you grow it. Don't worry about it. You just have to buy it, so let me get those dollars back. Oh, wait, it's Friday, so let me give you this little piece of paper back, right? And so we haven't gone far since indented contracts, and I believe that slavery is a system that fed and cost the agricultural business, the moving business, like housing, like NYCHA. The group housing wasn't a charity because there were so many people that were poor. They wanted to get poor people close to the factories, and then they outsourced, and then those people are just stuck with no skills with the education gap. So it allowed other people of color to have hundreds of years of economic wealth gap on top of us, but those people are just the second layer because that is the identic contract people. Like every rich, every white person wasn't a slave owner. And so I think when you look at the whole point of history and slavery and the brainwashing, people were dying to dress like a man so much and be like white people that now that these designer clothes and all this fashion is about, they're like, oh, I want to get that because it's self-validation. Because you have kids out here now that as long as they have on clean clothes and they look important or they look like they have affluence or they look like they have money, they're okay. So our personal human validation has been destroyed through slavery, d destroyed through the whole Willie Lynch sort of psychological separation of the family structure, right? That has a permanent imprint on our kids today where they feel like they need to be validated. You know what my mentees and my mentor and my mentees tell us right now, the kids and the youth tell us? They ask you literally, yo, am I valid? Like, is that valid? They need validation so much. And so the materialistic item is that we spend money. And so I get a lot of little pushback because I'm Jewish. My family's Jewish. My whole town of Akbar is Jewish, right? And so when I came here, I'm, you know, I'm also uh, even that much affected because I'm a felon. I'm black. <laughs> I'm a six-foot two bald-head black men who also is a Jew, right? And so with that tenet, I'm not materialistic. I am not a conformist to society. I literally buy maybe two suits a year. Like, I still wear the same clothes. And so I think people from Africa and the diaspora, we make our own clothes so we don't mm. spend like capitalistic people have been programmed to spend. Half of TV paid programming is ads of things that you can buy. Right. So it's built into our culture. And so I think that it's not the point that we need to change that. We just need to be community self-conscious and say, I'm going to buy from you because you're a black man. I'm going to buy from you because you're in the culture and keep the money in our neighborhood. 80% of the funds in the black community mm -hmm. leaves the neighborhood by 12 p.m. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And in the Chinese community, the Asian community, it circulates around for a month, a couple months, it circulates. Everybody makes sure they got everything covered and everything. Every is other not community. Seen. Yep. Every except other out. Except that is not by accident. That is not because we're weak people. We don't go to jail because we ain't fast running and we can't yeah. get away from the police. No, it is an intentional Hey, hey there's and something else y'all touched on that I want to bring up that it recently, it was only this year that it, I even knew it was a thing. Now, I had already knew that you know, like the census, the census right now, um, there's something in Congress about, you know, why is the Trump administration inserting this citizenship uh, question in the census? And the census happens every 20 years. So we coming up on a, another census. And one of the other ways that they take money out of our community, you know, you were talking about keeping money in the community is where they house 
the, the uh, prison slaves that they take out of our communities because then they get counted in the census in that that yes. uh, predominantly white county is where those prisons are, not only to provide them jobs, but because the census also determines where federal resources is going to go. And so they're taking it. They call it prison gerrymandering. It's a new term that I, well, it was new to me. And I just learned about that. And I think that's not on a lot of our people's radar. I'm not seeing a whole lot of discussion on prison gerrymandering, which is robbing our communities of resources by putting our people, um, you know, in in uh, housing them outside of the community. Yeah. Could I just touch on that for a moment, if you don't mind? Sure. Because this has been one of my battles, too, right? Creating educational programming and products and films and documentaries and series and articles and journals, all kind of things, right? Sort of prove these things. And so in my documentary sort of history, I've done a lot of work around gerrymandering. I worked with the Legal Defense Fund, um, literally around creating documents and, and booklets around it because people didn't believe us, so we had to get the lawyers, right? And the lawyers mm-hmm. didn't have to people listen. And so my godfather, actually, Joseph Jazz Hayden, he literally created a, a report, him and Eddie Ellis, called Million Dollar Blocks. And Million Dollar Blocks was a demographic report done with the new school and some design students to show how much a person was worth in prison. So my question to you is, and not a question, more of a statement, is, brother, do you know why the census system was created? No, why? Do you know why the census system was even created? It was meant to shift funds from federal funding from when that person is incarcerated to move those Mm -hmm. funds to upstate rural communities for the development stimulus. In other words, that person's body is an income for that state and that county within the state. And so New York is, of course, five counties. But there's 62 counties, all of them named after prisons, Attica, Kaksaki, Auburn, like, right, all these things. Mm-hmm. And so when you're mm-hmm. sent to Auburn, the reason why it's Auburn and a town is called that is because the census is really tracking you from New York, from Brooklyn, so Kings County mm-hmm. don't get that money no more. Auburn yeah. get it. They get more so, money. They get more roads. They get more people. They get more schools. Yeah. They can get more congressional representation. And next thing you know, this town is thriving off of those people in that prison. And the people in the prison, the people in the prison, right? The people in the prison can't even live in the town and don't even count it in the town, but they count it as the town's consensus, and so that brings them funding. So it is about money and bodies attached to money. Absolutely. And so gerrymandering. Now I've tried this. Let me just say this in the eye. A couple of years ago, I was involved with helping to produce a series called America Divided. I would love for everybody to look it up. And I tried yeah. to create a system where it was activist. You know what I mean? I had a conversation mm-hmm. with Malik Yoba, and he's the activist. And I said, you know yeah. what? I'm trying to make everybody activist. I had yeah. Darius Dawson, um, yeah. um, um, Jesse Williams, and one of the main characters, Zach Galifianakis, said, I want to do gerrymandering because maybe if a funny white guy says it, people will listen. And so he yeah. did a whole episode about how the NAACP chapter, which is all white people in North Carolina, yeah. changed... <laughs> the city guidelines to make more Republicans on one side and more Democrats on the other because they can change wow. their lines anytime they want. So gerrymandering has been happening. Let me give you an example of gerrymandering. You have a slave. You, me and you go to Jamestown to buy our slaves, right? Jamestown mm-hmm. says, well, we make money off of this slave on my plantation so you get a certificate of that slavery and that mm-hmm. ownership so you can take it to your town. And now when you get up back to New York, we give it to... And I swear to God, this is why I made plaques and this is why I do projects about it. Yeah. You 
take that certificate to Wall Street because I had the mayor mm-hmm. make claps that Wall Street used to be the slave market. That's how we got yeah. the railroad ground plated, right? And so yeah. you take that slave trade certificate to Wall Street, and now Wall Street pays you because you have another slave on their census count. So the whole census system is based on slavery, brother. Right, yeah. right. And, 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 you know, just to imprint this on people's mind now there's been some myths in our community about the three-fifths compromise the three-fifths clause that a lot of people wrongly believe that they were saying oh africans is only three-fifths humans that's not what that was about that was about the census and the states that didn't have as as many victims of slavery um as the south did said we don't want none of them counted they're not citizens. These are these are you know I, I hate using the word slave, so I'll just say victim. But they were saying these are slaves. These aren't citizens. Why are you counting them in the census? But the South said, well, they came to a compromise. Okay, we only count three out of five of them. And like has been stated already, is also political representation is based on that. So you think about it. You in 1860, let's say 1860, being counted in the census, and you can't even vote. You're not even a citizen. You can't even vote, but they're basing political representation off your body. Now, it's even worse today. It's even worse today because they count all the prison slaves. There's no more three out of five. It's all of them, and then they transfer them, as we stated, to these rural counties that are predominantly like uh, white, and they get more representation based on that. It's actually worse now. It's actually used as a weapon to keep racism alive. And I just want to keep that current in this conversation, right? As long as we get the most dangerous weapon is the white woman with the black man, because that is the most oppressed populations in this country, right? Sad to say that we have a system where we have to keep whites a benefit for being white, because then they will realize that they're not rich like everyone else, and they'll join the poor workers, right? So the reason why they destroyed most of the factories, and that system got outsourced, is because you had ignorant white people as well as ignorant black people who was missing the generation gap of schooling, and they both had a trade, so they both worked in the same warehouse. They both was poor. And so they couldn't keep those people on those levels, so they created a second-class citizenship by dropping out. It's not increasing theirs, but dropping out and basically putting them as oversight, right? Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to keep clear that the census system is, is a way of counting bodies. That is all it's ever been, that is all it ever will be, and that is what it is used for to perpetrate where those bodies are going, where's the funding for those bodies going? And so, yeah. yes, it's taking money out of a community, but that's only an angle I use to bring people in as a first step to education, because then it's about the slave system, right? Mm-hmm. So the census system is also a weapon because it becomes an American duty. It's disguised as you have to do this. What it weaves yeah. out is that, oh, there's certain people that are immigrants. Really, everybody here is an immigrant. What are you talking about? Yeah. We took this stand from somebody else mm-hmm. and then called ourselves citizens and called them immigrants. As a matter of fact, that's the whole story of Texas and Mexico, but we're not yeah. even going to talk about that, right? And how the border crossed yeah. them. And so mm-hmm. this sort of illegal immigration and deportation is not something. How can you how can you kick somebody out of land that you've taken to somebody else, but land that is accused yeah. by every other nation? That also gives you the political power to go to every other nation and say, yo, I got 15,000 Indians. I got a million mm-hmm. uh, Spanish people. Like, you can go to every country and talk junk, and that's what America yeah. does. They need a home base so they can feed all of this stuff that they're doing, too. Because when you go to other countries, like Malcolm said, the news is different, the media is different, and the truth is different. You know, yeah. And so I think that we have been fed all this information in a census and participating mm-hmm. it because they're saying, oh, the lack of resources in your community is because we can't count you. 
right? Yeah. And so that is a that itself is a, is not only a farce and a lie, but is a tool to entrap more people because those are the same communities that are marginalized. When the budgets come down, those are the same communities that are cut off. And like the Trump administration, when he cut 36% out of the food budget, was based on a consensus guide and where the areas that the most need was. Wow. Wow. Hey, Brother Scott, we can run it to 930, but at the same time, I would like for uh, uh, Mr. Lee to lay out all his handles and everything, you know, how he can be reached and give out phone numbers and give your handles of uh, uh, in which people can reach you to all our listeners out there. I'd like you to provide that information, you know, by all mediums in which you're able to be reached. I would like you to provide that to our audience. That is very important. And so uh, my main email is five at Mm incarceratednation.org. My uh, phone number, honestly, I'm very accessible. Um, yeah, not yeah. most. I'm always busy, but if you need to call me, six four six two nine four eight three three one, incarceratednation.org will lead you to most of our websites. We do have a new website coming up, so I do apologize about the lack of updates. Um, mm-hmm. You can actually join any one of our projects through the website as well. I'm on most of every social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I may not be good at the messages on the social media because I'm not yeah. on there 100. Yeah. percent um, But yeah. this is the work that we do. Um, I do work out of the UN. I also am at Exodus Transitional Services in Harlem. And so I run most of the probation hubs in Harlem, East and West. Um, you can find me there as well. Uh, we have Got offices it. in every borough. 929 in the Bronx. We partner with the Bronx Defenders. We also have the Andrew Freeman Home Mansion in the Bronx. We have artists and residency programs, um, GED, high school, all kind of trade programs, art programs, photography programs there. Mm-hmm. In Brooklyn, we're at 99 Belmont. We also work with the Brooklyn Defenders and most of those networks and all of our allied coalitions. So even if you go to one of our partner offices, there is always a representative for Incarcerated Nation. In Could all you also let them know what incarcerated, incarcerated Nation does as far as came to the making of undershirts and T-shirts and clothing? Oh, uh, yes. So that's the youth program. Definitely. We have an alternative to incarceration print shop program. So even if you're a nonprofit in clothing, incarceratednationclothing.org, um, those shirts are designed and printed by all the youth. They get paid for it. It pays for their college scholarships and while they go to school. And that's one of our programs. Um, under our hub, we have immense amount of letter writing programs. Solitary Watch is one of my news networks with my godmother and James Ridgway. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much work that we do, but there's so many ways to get involved. I don't care if you just want to volunteer for an hour or you want to stuff an envelope or show up yeah. to a rally or write a testimony. Um, our yeah. new website, which is incarceratednation.org, it will stay the same. It's going to change in the first of the month, and you'll be able to do all of that online and reach all of our projects internationally from one site. I, I have so a quick question. Let, let me ask yeah. you a question. Uh, clarify something for me on the T-shirts. So so um, are, are you making T-shirts that have branding for Incarcerated Nation? Oh, yeah. Or can both, people both. order? Can I order? Like for example, I have these yes, uh, exactly. Black Talk. Ra- I have these Black Talk Radio. Um, no, I have. They're called Black Radio Stations Matters T-shirts, right? So could I contract with with your group to make my exactly. T-shirts? Yes, sir. Exactly. So we do both. Like I said, we do both. We we have our own brands. The youth make their own statements. They're a little bold. Some of them are. I love them. Um, and if you don't like those, we also have a custom side. So we do custom contracts. We make everything from one shirt. One shirt. We had a kid uh-huh. yesterday. His nephew got shot. He didn't have much family. He wanted one shirt. And Lily uh-huh. made it for him, right? Uh, didn't even yeah. charge him for it. 
Um, so we yeah. do contracts for nonprofit organizations as well. So if you're ordering mm -hmm. your church from little kids in China, you might as well order it from little kids in the community and let them pay as well. Yeah. Um, I think that the price of shirts have Very. Uh, um, um, sort of changed the way people look at t-shirts, but every nonprofit mm -hmm. orders shirts. It's time for us to start keeping the money in our community. And so we have brands. Yeah. We have our own ice cream brand. We have Mikey Likes It Ice Cream in New York. If you stop mm -hmm. by the wipe set, MikeyLikesItIceCream.com. Uh, we have the health station, food truck systems, oh, and they only employ youth who are juvenile, um, um, who are justice impacted, and youth who are people of color uh, because we're the most marginalized people justice impacted. And so all of our projects support the family members and people only. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a lot going on, brother, but we're still steady building because we need a community, but we also need defense mechanisms, right? And people so let me five, ask you this. Let me you're ask doing you, so much. Oh, brother Max, Maxwell, just to let you know, we got about 10 minutes and we have a call. All right, all right. But uh, brother, uh, 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 so if people order uh, uh, some type of discount rate or something, if they order their own T-shirts and you do the print, or they can just get it from you either way. Oh, we 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 actually undercut everybody. We work everybody personally, so we don't. All right, all right, money. all right. You have a and call, you you brother. Yeah, yeah. All we right. got um, right. we got a Black Talk Radio um, uh, media producer. Um, he hosts um. <laughs> We just uh, bring him on. Yeah, let's bring let's bring on Jerry, uh, brother Jerry, uh, or Jenna, as he's known on the network. Brother Jenna, thank you for calling yeah. in the New Abolitionist Radio. Do you have a comment or a question for uh, any of us? Yes, uh, greetings. How y'all brothers doing this evening? How you doing, brother? Peace. Still learning. Still learning. Yeah. Uh, I just Absolutely. I just plugged into the uh, to the show, and I was mm -hmm. hearing about the. Uh, the nonprofits that the uh, I, I I missed both of your names. Uh, I'm still wanting to call out the old host name, so I apologize. Oh, uh, Maxwell. Um, Maxwell is yeah. the new host. Uh, he also goes by Max as well. And our okay. our guest is Marlene Ock. His name is Fire Marlene Ock. Yeah. Okay, Marlene Ock. I'm thinking that's who I was listening and. Uh, this particular moment, that's where my question goes. And uh, you wanted our information or something? Uh, no, sir. I had I had a uh, question. Uh, one that I'm sure other people had. Mm -hmm. uh, sounds kind of stupid, though. But uh, with follow the work no that he's doing, well, I I don't think so either. So thank you. But with all the work that he's doing with his nonprofit, is there yeah. some type of structure that he could give out to the people who have similar uh, issues in their own communities? that would like to also help him, but kind of uh, need a starting point for starting something in their own community. And Absolutely. Yes, sir. Um, so let me let me just say this right now. Um, I've incubated about 18 projects in the last three years alone. Um, I'm working on four more right now, and two actually, which are my prime projects. One is Girls. It's a gathering of independent resources for living successfully. It's an all-girl credible messenger mentor training program run by all women put together by my sisters i'm just mm -hmm. sort of helping it the other one is a partnership with youtube and google that's called the mm -hmm. young adult perspective project which will be a tv show for all justice impacted youth to speak their own mind right mm -hmm. um the reason why i say that brother is because you can email me you can call our team personally and we will pull mm -hmm. the resources to help you build your organization or project in any yeah. state in any country the reason why is because mm -hmm. this is called community building we need to mm -hmm. build our own community, our own resources, our own yeah. support system, our own police department. 
This is why we yeah. have credible messages. And in New York, we have our own violence interrupters. Yesterday, would you Brooklyn, tell them about the conference? Would you also tell them about the conference, credible messages conference that's coming up? Oh, uh, the, credible, uh, the, the credible messenger, which one? The one that's coming up in New York? or The one that's coming up in New York. Right, yes, so there's the one, one coming, coming up. up in New York. I can pull up the date right now. We have them on yes, a regular yes. basis. We have a whole Credible Messenger Justice Institute. I also mm -hmm. run a Credible Messenger Justice Institute at the new school, which was the first training. And so mm -hmm. the reason why I say this, brother, my advice really quick um, is to build. If you have four people that you have the same mission, the same trust, the same honor mm -hmm. that you want to do things, it only takes four people to launch an incorporation of a board and a nonprofit mm -hmm. so that your money can recycle back into your work but also allows you to fundraise and get money. If somebody wants to give you $5, they might give you 500 if it was tax-free. And so by creating a system, we have to stop referring people to other people's systems and create the solutions ourselves. And this is why I'm dedicated to helping brothers and sisters create their own solutions to your own problems because we have 50 different states. That means 50 different laws and 50 different ways of doing things. What works in New York will not work in D.C. What works in D.C. will not work in Florida. And so you are the expert in your own state. You might need the, the support, but to be honest, all you need to launch a nonprofit is about four people on your corporate board, and you need to have the positions intact, but you could be president and CEO yourself. And so if you don't see the change, be the change that you want to see and just make it. Right, right. And, I, and so I, I, say I just. That because I think that sometimes we lose the confidence that mm -hmm. we don't have the expertise. I tell brothers when they come home from brothers, came home for 29 years in prison and told me. He don't have a degree. I'm sorry, brother. You got a PhD in cruel and unusual punishment. You got an associate degree in, yeah. in mass incarceration, and you damn sure got a bachelor's in the prison in prison. And I, <laughs> and so I, I think I, that that I, experience I, we lack. I, Maxwell identify myself as a criminal justice alumni of 33 years in the system. So I consider yes, myself as a uh, criminal justice veteran and also a criminal justice alumni. Right. Yes. I, I tell you, listen, listening to you answering uh, Brother Jenna's question, Jenna, did you get the answers that you needed? Jenna, are you? I see you on the board. You might have muted yourself. I had, yeah, I had muted myself, but yes, yeah. and I'm, a, I'm gonna uh, try to get in in touch with the brother myself. So uh, I appreciate right. that, and I'm sure everybody appreciate everybody else appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yeah. where you at, brother? If you don't mind me asking, I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Okay, you're in Tennessee. Um, are you familiar with the Southern Poverty Law Center that runs yes, around the Southern States? Okay. Um, so I have a lot of contacts in Tennessee. You can reach me at 5 at incarceratednation.org. And even if you didn't want to start an institution but maybe join one, we got about 10 or 20 nonprofits out there already doing the work, and you can help support them or be a part of that. I would just say if you see a problem, brother, you use your own track as to how to solve it. Everything that I've dismantled, I've personally been through. Solitary, deportation, international issues, right? Um, these things came from personal because ain't nobody could take your truth away. And I think that we don't validate it, but like the brother said, we're going up a system that don't want us to end it. Of course they ain't going to invite us. Of course they're not going to create a cure-all. Shit, Cadillac can make the best car in the world, but it won't. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have them repeat customers. <laughs> No, exactly. Not just because of the re not just because of the re repeat customers, but because they also manufacture the, uh, the, the separate and parts. And yeah, the, yeah, that's that's what it. I meant. Yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, like like uh, my daughter works at Freightliner, and 
they make a good fall apart truck is what some of them say that they'll joke about. We make a good fall apart truck and what have you. Well, well, five, man, it's certainly been inspiring. I feel like, you know, you a Kendrick soul. That's what we tried to do through our nonprofit Black Talk Media Project. We saw that there was uh, destruction of black terrestrial talk radio um, with the station, you know, with the 1996 Telecommunications Act. And I had a background in communications from the military. So I was like, you know what? We have this new media technology, this online internet radio. Uh, we can replace those stations and, and run them ourselves. So I definitely feel you when you say we have to create our own solutions and, and not, you know, always turn into somebody else. So I feel you and on that. Scott, it's not like the last time. Brother Malik will be joining us again in the near, oh, very yeah. near future. He will be joining us uh, again in, in the very near future because we could not, it was humanly impossible to cover everything that we right, wanted to right. cover. We him to cover. So we will be joining him. The, the public, you know, we will make an announcement of it. They can look forward to hearing additional information from him. And, you know, again. Yeah, and make sure, um, Jenna, you, well, Jenna, you know, but this is for the general audience. Uh, our podcast will be posted in about a couple of hours. And if you found the information useful, please share the podcast. Please share it far and wide. Um, so we're going to get ready to close it out. I want to go to Brother Five. Brother Five, do you have any final comments you'd like to leave the listeners with? Yes, sir. I want to say that throughout society, right, we have made change. I teach my mm-hmm. youth. Um, I don't teach them. I let history teach them. So I show them the children's march. Exactly. I show them, them that it was the youth who always made the change. The young lords and the panthers are built into my syllabuses and my curriculum because they come in and tell them what they were doing when they were 16 and 17 and making change. And so I say it's never too late for that, but we have to take up our own reign and really cut down on the complaining about how people aren't doing for us and that the system isn't taking care of us. We got to get past it to understand that the system is never going to, never there to take care of us, was never there to be for us, and there is no equality unless we take it, and there is no justice unless we make it. And so I just wanted to say that because we make change, not the system. And when you see it on the front page of the Times, and you see all these different articles, there's a massive story behind that, and behind that is probably a person directly impacted, struggling to get that out. And so I wanted to make that known that all of these organizations, we have 400 organizations internationally, and they're all owned and operated by us. And that is only a part of the solution. Because if you still see a problem in your community, in your town, you need that change. You make that happen. And reach out to us, and we will always help. I'm always going to be here, but I'm always going to leave with some marching orders as well, because Uh I am opening up a new network with YouTube, and I'm going to be able to host your show on a national network as an option for people to listen to nationwide as well. Well, let, let me just so say... I offer that to y'all broadcast. Well, let me ask, also... Um make the same offer to you. Um, we were recently uh, determined by Indian-based research and marketing firm to be the number one platform in digit, black digital radio and podcasting. And we also mm-hmm. distribute videos. So let us do the same and help you distribute your content. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Mr. Malik, yeah. And uh, uh, Brother Malik, uh, also, like I said, you know, like you're gonna be coming back on, like uh, Brother Sadi said, like in distributing one of your platforms and everything. And you know, we're gonna be in touch. I'm definitely going to give you a call uh, tomorrow, uh, uh, Mr. Malik. Myself, you know, we got some things to discuss. You know, but 
uh, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I know you shared a, a rain full of information and, you know, <laughs> useful, and I want people to know that every organization out there is not what it appears to be, and some claim to be doing more than others and think another one is going to outshine it, but your particular organization is not one of those organizations that's willing to, and, you know, you know how they just get caught up in it, they get caught up in anything else think somebody gonna outshine them here but no one organization has the answers or solutions to all the problems that exist no so you know? i think i think i think we do a lot of different work because we don't yeah. have money involved and so yeah. to be honest yeah. i don't we don't make we're not in this for money most of us do not exactly. get paid. we run our own organization so yeah. the curriculum we teach all the films we, we don't get paid for mm-hmm. money yeah and so yeah. Uh, i think the real purpose is that this has to be a lifestyle because we live exactly. It. We go right. back to the community. My neighbor's son is locked up. My other mm-hmm. neighbor's husband is coming yeah. home. This is not uh, something that's external for us, but we will always be there to make that change. And I'm, I'm honest. I'm blessed. Bro. And thank you so, yeah. for, for having me on. And I'll be yeah. on anytime you ask, comrade. Yeah. Also, I'll like send so. you the link to everything we talk about tonight, so you can share that as well. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Do that. I want you to send that ASP so he can put in that. Uh, post that's going up. You know, this show yes. will be posted in a few hours. Hey, listen, I don't want to hang up on this last caller that called right, in. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let me go to 914. 914. Um, did you have a get question it, or it, a comment it. for us? 294. Hello? Yes, ma'am. Uh, we... uh, this is Sister Rakiba Fatima Basia. Uh, shout out and peace to you, Brother Five. Um, you know who I am. I'm calling oh, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling in and reaching out to everybody for my son. Um, mm-hmm. I, right now, when I, my son was wrongfully convicted, like myself, because you know how the slave trade goes. They come after us, and then our kids are next. Mm-hmm. And out of 22 co-defendants, he's the only one that was incarcerated, and he mm-hmm. had just came home. He'd been lo- he was locked up at the age of 15, tried mm-hmm. at 17, and did 20 years in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. My son uh, had, and and with the situation at hand, I believe Brother Scotty, um, Brother Tag informed you at, at one point because we were supposed to come on the air about it, but some a lot of things have a lot of things have came up, but the yeah. fact still remains is that out of 22 co-defendants, my son is the only one that was framed and wrongfully convicted. Okay, mm-hmm. the rest yeah. of them get got just out of out of nowhere. So and this mm-hmm. is a case of get the Muslims. Yes, 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 ma'am. I, I just wanted to say, if you could contact, get back in touch with Tag. Uh, Tag is one of our volunteers for the Black Talk Media Project. He's been working with us for yeah. some years. I do remember you. Um, and, yeah. you know, I'm sorry those things happened and you couldn't come on air. But if you could reschedule with him, we will bring you on so that you'll have more time. Because we're at the end of the broadcast. And, you know, we want you to be able to tell all the story. I see, I see, Brother Scotty. Okay. But I just want to put that out there with you. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's really happening. Yes, you know, my well, son. As he said, we definitely going to address it. As he said, get in touch with him to bring you on. You'll have more time mm-hmm. to provide the information. Some of the listeners may be able to also hear what you're saying, and we'll be able to yeah. contribute to whatever the problem is in your particular state. There's organizations, yeah. innocent projects. What you feel he was there was an injustice done is what you feel. I see what you're no saying. Du- an injustice. No doubt, no doubt, yeah. it was an injustice done. It was unjust, and uh, yeah, you want some resolution 
Right. So so get get in touch with Tag. Get in touch with Tag and and Tag will uh schedule you and and we'll bring you back on uh for a full program. We're working on that. We're working on that, brother. Okay. We're working on that, okay? Okay. All right. Well, peace and blessings to you and I'm keeping your family in my prayers, sister. Thank you, brother. Yes, Queen. All right. Mr. Malik, don't forget to send that information so it can be forwarded to Scotty so it can go up in that post within the next few hours, them different links and things, uh, uh, Mr. Malik. Yes, sir, I definitely will. And, you know, that sister has a raised the age issue with that state, you know, uh, being an adult. Yeah, considered an adult, yeah? Right. That was in the state of Georgia. And even, in fact, just to throw this in right quick, you know, we all know that they had finally ruled that a teenager does not have the same adult mentality right. as an adult. However, in the state of Georgia, on my son's appeal with that particular case, they said that he willingly and knowingly knew what he was made to say. It's almost a similarity to the Central Park Five case. Well, we, it definitely is. But let me say this, no and I don't want to take up time or expand upon no, it, but no, to, be honest, to be honest, That's... the age of reason in America is nine. The age of reason in America is nine, and so we have a lot of work. We have a lot. To, we have a lot of work to do. All right. Well, well, listen. We gotta close. We gotta close it out. Um, I want to thank all, all right. the callers. I want to thank Brother Five for coming on and and inspiring thank us. You. To you know, really get get our hands in the dirt, man, and do this work. Listen, yeah. I mean, like, brother, Absolutely. I'm very, very, very in awe of all that you're doing, mm-hmm. and I know you got a team behind you, and you know, I'm just mm-hmm. very inspired, you know, on so many levels. So, thank mm-hmm. you again, and of course, yeah. uh, we'll be bringing you thank back you. on and what have you. Mm-hmm. All right, well, yeah, we want to bring to your attention as we close out that. Um, the United States never abolished slavery. The 13th Amendment has an exception clause. It says that involuntary uh, uh, servitude and slavery shall be abolished except as a punishment for crime. When you recognize that what we're really dealing with is slavery, hopefully that'll put the fire under your feet to become a new abolitionist in this new abolitionist movement. Peace and blessings to all. Good night. Peace and night. Land of the free, it lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, only really just want this freedom.